you and I, we have access to more information than anyone in human history. Do you know that you and I, we, op- we open up our phones about 90 times a day, and it is so fascinating that we have information at our fingertips, you and I. And not all of that information is good. Not all that information has our best interest in mind. And it seems the more that I open up my phone, the more that I'm hearing people say, hey, we just want you to be happy. You do this and you'll be happy. You'll buy that, you'll be happy. And somehow we've taken the emotional, the relational, and even the financial piece of that, and we've slapped it over to the spiritual piece where God wants me to be happy. All of us are tempted to say that. Well, in the middle of a plague, God wants me to be happy. When I don't agree with what's being asked of me, God wants me to be happy. If my ex is happy, God wants me to be happy. If my friend is happy, God wants me to be happy. And why should I sacrifice? God wants me to be happy. I could even read a verse uh, from the Bible that might lead you to believe uh, that God wants you to be happy. Uh, The verse goes like this. For the despondent, every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, those that are positive, those who are energetic, life is a continual feast. Like so, So life for them is like this backyard barbecue, good friends, good conversation, good eats, and good drinks. And that is life to them where it's, they never want it to end. And it's just like this song. Huh, I think you've heard that song before, right? It's easy to interpret verses on the Bible based on emotion or what we want it to say. See, by believing that God wants you to be happy, you'll begin to believe three things. The first thing that you'll begin to believe is that if it will make me happy, it has to be right. I mean, even Sheryl Crow wrote a song about that. See, our happiness becomes our North Star. And I don't know about you, but once I obtain the thing that's going to make me happy, I'm already ready to move on to the next thing. So like happiness really becomes a moving goalpost. I don't know about you, but experiencing happiness is emotional. So in essence, we're allowing our emotions to set the tone. What is right and what is wrong? Like, if we don't like something, in our minds, we think it's bad, we think it's wrong, and it's not for us. But if we think it makes us happy, it must be good, it must be right, and it must be for us. Look, second thing that we'll begin to believe is this. If it will make me happy, it has to be God's will for me. Like, this concludes that discomfort, pain, suffering, obstacles are not God's will. If something's going right, then it must mean that I'm not in God's will. Like I've heard people say, I didn't get that parking space at Costco. No one gets a front row parking space at Costco because it's like Disneyland. I mean, everyone's there. Here's the deal. God has, I don't think he really cares whether you get the front. I mean, for some of us, walking a mile might be good for us. So look, here's what I'm trying to say. We can drive ourselves crazy with assuming easy means God's will. Assuming a life of ease means that God is pleased. We begin to believe that, that we assume that a life of ease means that God is pleased. The third thing that we'll begin to believe is that if it will make me happy, then we live like God exists to serve us. Like, we'll never say that. You'd never say that. I'd never say that. But we, but we believe it by acting it out. Like, here's what I mean. Like, What we do is we reverse our role. See, God exists because God exists. We exist. You exist. I exist because 
God allows us to exist. And what we're doing is by believing that, we're reversing our roles. See, the creation serves the creator. We exist to serve God. We exist to serve him. I really believe that when we do this, and we may not say it, but when we do it, we are reducing God into someone we can control. Have you ever used faith as a formula? Maybe, maybe you have. It, it goes a little bit like this. And I'm being a little facetious, a little, little cinematic license per se. But we pray like this. God, you know, it's been a while. I'm a good, I'm a good person. You know, this week I went to church or I listened online or I watched online and I, I, had a, I didn't yell at my wife this week. I didn't yell at my husband. I only yelled at my kids once, but you would have yelled at them too because they were acting like little, little crazy people. And I, I gave a little bit to a good cause. I supported a small business. God, I did all the right things. Like I even chose to have the self-restraint not to run over my neighbor's cat, even though I wanted to. God, I did all those things, so please give me what I'm asking for, and then just for good luck, we kind of slap Jesus' name on it, in Jesus' name, amen. Look, I'm not saying that we do that, but for some of us, our prayers become like that, where we're trying to box God in, we're trying to control him to get what we want. And look, the downside to believing that God wants you to be happy, it's easy to walk away from a system or formula like that. If that's your version of Christianity, that's not Christianity. The reason why it's easy to walk away from it is because there's no relationship. If that's your form of Christianity, that's why people walk away from it because it is not built on a relationship. It's built on a contract. See, God exists to serve you and you pay him back by doing things for him or promising to do things for him. See, when a relationship is built, it's hard to walk away. When a healthy relationship is built, it becomes almost impossible to walk away. Look, when I believe that God wants me to be happy, I will begin to pursue the things that will make me happy. And we're missing the purpose of this relationship. See, the purpose of this relationship that we have with God is that God doesn't want you, doesn't want me to pursue happiness. Instead, he wants you, he wants me to pursue him and we're not pursuing him for things. We're pursuing him for him because we're going to come to find out that God is the only one that can satisfy our needs, our wants, our desires, and even our expectations. God is the only one that can satisfy our needs and desires. So there are some times that Brooke uh, will come over to me and um, whether I'm at the desk or on the on the couch or at the table and she's this up-and-coming artist and <laughs> she is a painter and she she paints things all the time and, and she's so proud and so she comes and she says dad this is what I did can you believe it and I'm like baby that is awesome that looks incredible you did such a great job and she's like well you know it's for you and like I begin to put it with all my other things and then just a few moments later I have to break her, you know, give her the bad news and say, baby, it's time to get clean up. It's time to get a bath. It's time to put your things away. And man, she will begin to stomp and storm off. I know some of you cannot believe that Brooke would do that. But yeah, that is reality. She does do those things. And in that moment, I'm less worried whether she's happy. I'm more focused on her character and her becoming. See, the same thing begins to happen in our relationship with God. God is this perfect father. He's focused on our character and our becoming instead of our happiness. 
See, when we convince ourselves that God just wants us to be happy, a couple of things will begin to happen to drive us away from a healthy relationship with him. So there's, there's two things I believe that God, why God doesn't want you and I to be happy. Instead, more than happy. So the first thing is this. God doesn't want you and I to be happy when it causes you and I to do something unwise or wrong. I mean, how many of us have done something pretty dumb, but we thought about it and like, ah, oh, man, this is going to make me happy. And we wish someone would have talked us out of it. We wish that we would not have made that decision. We would not have called that person. We would not have sent that email. But all of a sudden, we did because we believed. We were led by our emotions. We allowed our emotions to sort of set the tone. For some of us, we are so convinced that God wants us to be happy. And we believe the Bible says something like this, and we're convinced that Peter wrote this. But now you must be happy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is happy. I know for some of us, we're having a panic attack because that's not what the Bible says. I know that's not what Peter wrote. But man, we sure do believe that. We believe that. We, it's the men and women who are, are wanting more and not thinking they're going to get caught and they steal from their company and they lose their job and they avoid telling their spouse. It's the men and women who give up on their marriage because it's too tough or it's not fun enough, whatever that means. It's high schoolers looking at ways to ease their pain, ease their anxiety, doing things that are going to lead to a really bad habit. Men and women who are single again and, and, and trying to, have the icing before the cake and, and doing things they know is only reserved for married people. It's you and I, we're willing to lie to get away with things so that we don't look bad. All of that is led by our emotions. All of that is led by our emotions. And we're like, oh, okay, God just wants me to be happy. And so we justify these actions. We justify our behavior. We justify our mindset. And really, this is what Peter wrote. Peter wrote this, but now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. See, God wants you and I to be like him. That's holy. Holy means this. Holy is different, pure, right, light, the source of life. This is God. He's unique. He's light. He's life. He's different. He's the source of life. And so he he started this nation and this nation called Israel. And he said, look, I I want you guys to be as close to this renewed state as it's going to be. And so he gives them his law. And because of sin, they could never achieve the law. They could never obey the law in its entirety. And so priests would even have to get to a point, even if for them to enter God's presence, they had to wash themselves. They had to cleanse themselves with any impurity. Then all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene, and and Peter saw Jesus up close. Jesus is touching people. He blind people, he's touching them. Hey, open your eyes, see. He's raising dead people back to, oh my God. There is a wasp. Did you guys, did you not see the wasp? We got to stop. We got, I'm like in the middle of. So you, you probably didn't see that. I purposely cut that out, but I was attacked by a swarm of wasps. No, I'm kidding. It was one wasp that came a little close to me and I got kind of freaked out. So anyway, back to where we were. So this is what Peter really says. He says this, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. So look, Peter was up close to Jesus, and that's really important. So God wants you to be holy just like him. He does. 
And holy means different. It means unique. It means a light. It means the source of life. And that's, God is all those things, and God wants us to be those things. And this is how it sort of all took place. So God established humanity. Then all of a sudden, he establishes this, this nation of people that he is going to save people from all nations from. He's going to send his Savior, the Messiah, Jesus, through this nation. So he sets this nation up and he says, look, I want you guys to have a renewed state. I want what life would be like with me as king. And so he establishes the law. And he knew that they weren't able to, to obey the entire law. He knew that. And so he even put it in place where priests, those that would work in the temple, in order to go into the temple, even the tabernacle, they would have to wash themselves. They would have to cleanse themselves uh, to be pure, to be like God. Then all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene, and Jesus is touching people who are considered unclean, those who are blind, those who are lame, those who are paralyzed, those who are dead. And he he says, hey, I want you to be healed. I want you to see. I want you to walk. I want you to be rose, risen from the dead. And people are blown away by this. And that's because Peter says Jesus was God. He was God in the flesh. And that's why he was able to touch the things that were unclean. Now, here's the best part. When you believe that Jesus died and rose again, you receive his spirit. And his spirit allows us to be a light in a dark world. That is an incredible thing. And that's what Peter is helping us understand. Hey, God wants you to be holy like him because he's given you the ability, the opportunity, the invitation to be holy like he is holy. That's pretty neat. So the second thing, God doesn't want you to be happy when you have un unrealistic expectations. Man, it's the world we live in. The world puts these expectations on us. You know, you're going to be happy if you have more possessions, when you have peaceful circumstances, when you have exciting experiences, when you have a right relationship, when you have perfect appearance, everything is going to be happy in your life. But look, for you, for you and for me, look, quite honestly, our appearance changes as we grow. Oh, and I think for some of us, we're, we're more frustrated than we've ever been. The, the idea is, when we trust our happiness to be our, our, our true north, man, it's going to be a constant moving target. It's going to constantly move. And this is what John writes. He's like, look, what the world offers isn't going to last. He says, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, notice, but are from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Man, John's pretty clear that God is able to provide us something that the world is not able to provide us. Like most likely John is writing this towards the end of his life and he's ready to go to his forever home. And his forever home is with God. See, you and I, we were not created for this world. You and I were for created for a relationship with God that's going to last forever. I love what Max Licata writes. This is so great. He says this, Take a fish and place him on the beach. Watch his gills gasp and scales dry. Is he happy? No. How do you make him happy? Do you cover him with a mountain of cash? Do you get him a beach chair and sunglasses? Do you bring him a playfish magazine and martini? Do you wardrobe him in double-breasted fins and people skin shoes? Of course not. Then how do you make him happy? 
you place him in his element. You put him back in the water. He will never be happy on the beach simply because he was not made for the beach. See, look, you and I, the world can offer the best counterfeit life, but God offers the best authentic life. See, God wants you more than happy. He wants you satisfied in him. We, you, me, we were created for a relationship with God. That's what we were created for. There's a term that Jesus uses in his famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. He used the word blessed instead of the word happy. The word blessed literally means more than happy. It was a reserve, it was a word reserved for the gods in Greek culture. So, so notice this. Even though he's speaking to Jews, Jesus knew that this was going to be given to us one day. See, decades after the resurrection, non-Jews were coming to know Christ. They were looking at his teaching. And I'm sure as they're reading this, they're hearing the word blessed, and they know this only reserved for the gods. See, the blessed ones were the gods. They were the ones that achieved happiness. They were the ones that removed themselves from suffering and hardships of humanity. In so many words, to be blessed meant that you were a God. It seemed unattainable. Now, look, Jesus isn't saying that you and I will become a God. He's not saying that at all. But you and I have an invitation to become an adopted son and daughter of God. And for those of us who trusted that invitation, he allows us to be blessed. What an invitation. It means more than happy. That means our satisfaction is found only in him. Notice what he says. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say sort of evil things against you because you are my followers. He says this, be happy about it. This idea of being blessed doesn't mean that things are going to go well. It doesn't mean that you're going to have everything that you've asked for. No, instead, God wants you more than happy. God wants you satisfied in him. That means that no matter what life looks like, no matter what it feels like, no matter what you expect it to be like, God is present with you. This is an invitation for those who are looking at switching out the leader of their life. Maybe for you, you've had other people call the shots in your life. You've allowed yourself to call the shots in your life. You've allowed someone else, maybe another faith system, to call the shots in your life. And it has led you pursuing this happiness that's a moving target. Man, this is for you. This is for you. And this invitation is to surrender your life and make Jesus the leader of your life. It's through Jesus' death and resurrection that you and I are provided healing in our relationship with God. And Jesus provides that for you and for me. I will tell you this as a follower of Jesus for the past 20 some years. Nothing gets better than following Jesus. Nothing gets better than making Jesus the leader of your life. For those of us who are followers of Jesus and you would say, hey, Jesus is the leader of my life, but maybe you just have not allowed him to fully be the leader of your life. You're beginning to take some things back. 
because you're not happy with how your life has turned out. See, this is an opportunity for you to trust in Jesus' teaching, in Jesus' death and resurrection, what he's done. Because this is not about circumstances. This is not about finding the right person. This isn't having the perfect appearance. This is about being satisfied in him. And he's the only one that can do that. See, the thing about pursuing God is that he's not a moving target. You get what you get. I think for some of us, we need to be reminded by that. We're pursuing something that's a moving target, but God is not that. See, God gives us an invitation. Jesus gives us an invitation to simply pursue him. So for both of us, whether you're a follower of Jesus, you're not yet a follower of Jesus, the invitation is simple. It's simply to pursue him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it's, it's so neat to, to look back on our life Uh, look back on our life and see what you've done. Um, God, I look back at the decisions that sort of I've taken over control and I've sort of been the leader of my life. It has not gone well. But the moments where I've surrendered to you, where I've prayed about things, I've allowed you to direct. I've allowed you to call the shots. May I never regret those decisions. And there are some decisions that didn't make me happy. But man, they made me satisfied in you. Father, I pray that, that we would, the people that are listening would have the courage to trust you. They would have the faith to trust you as the leader of their life. And they will surrender things to you. Lord, if we can trust you with our forever home, we ought to trust you with this earthly home. In Jesus' name, amen.